1: Coming to you from the heart of Silicon Valley, this is CUDA Confidential, the official podcast of the San Jose Barracuda, AHL
0: affiliate of the San Jose Sharks. Now, here's your host, Nick Nolenberger. Hello, Barracuda fans, welcome to another edition of CUDA Confidential. The Barracuda played two games this past weekend on the road against the AHL's newest members, the Abbotsford Canucks. Friday's game marked the first of eight on the eight-game season series between the two clubs, and it marked the first game for the Barracuda north of the border since 2017. Entering Friday's game, San Jose had a lifetime record of 3-1 in games played in Canada. All four previous games came against the Manitoba Moose. The Barracuda were coming off a 7-5 victory over the Texas Stars on Sunday, and they received seven players from the Sharks prior to Friday's game on reassignment as the Sharks continued to get healthy from COVID-19 protocols. Despite all the reinforcements, the Barracuda found themselves behind the eight ball early on Friday as Sheldon Rempel opened up the scoring on the man advantage just a minute and 57 seconds into the first period. Canucks will skate it through center. Twisted back by Cameron Schilling, the one-time Ontario Reign defenseman. Rolled along, here's a chance, to score! <laughs> Sheldon Ruppel has goals in back-to-back games. He came into the game tight for first on this Canuck bunch in scoring with eight points. Then during four-on-four play, Jet Wu would pick up his first goal of the year to give Abbotsford a 2-0 lead. Here's another chance to score. It's 2-0 Canucks. I believe it's going to be Jet Wu who's credited with the goal. The defenseman, he went straight to the net. And at 6:02, Will Lockwood would end Zach Amon's night as the Canucks would race out to a 3-0 lead. Canucks carry it into the offensive zone. Jet Wu has the second goal down that left wing side. Twists one along for Will Lockwood. Lockwood will skate it up the wall, change direction, carries it towards the end line, thrown towards it, and then they score! It was off of the skate of John Leonard. The Barracuda would make a goaltending change after Amon allowed three goals on five shots. Alexei Melnichuk would come into the game and the Barracuda would find their stride. as forward, Scott Reedy, would cut the lead down to two with his team-leading fourth of the year and team-leading second power play goal at 18:13 of the first period. 155 remaining in the first. Barracuda could certainly use a power play goal here and the tail end of this first. Here's a shot. Reedy. He scores. Reedy barred down from the high slot. And the Barracuda are on the board. It's a power play goal for Scott Reedy. It's his team leading fourth of the year. In the second, the Barracuda would outshoot the Canucks 10-6. But they failed to inch themselves any closer, and Abbotsford would take a 4-1 lead late in the second period as former Barracuda forward Vinny Arsenal would steer in his first of the year at eighteen twenty-three. Out of the right side wall, midpoint for Jet Wu, top left circle. There's a shot, This score! Vincent Arsenault, the former Barracuda forward, has a power play goal parked right front. It's a 4-1 lead for the Canucks. Going into the third period, the Barracuda trailed 4-1. And Abbotsford would all but put the game away just a minute and eight seconds into the final 20 minutes as Sheldon Dry lit the lamp for his sixth of the season. Then Rempel again at 5-13 would make it 6-1 Abbotsford. And at 14:40 40 Adam Brubaker would seal the victory with Abbotsford's seventh goal. After Friday's disappointing 7-1 loss, the Barracuda would have an opportunity to reflect and recharge for Sunday's rematch. The team would skate in Chilliwack, B.C., as the Abbotsford Center was hosting a concert on Saturday night. The day off also allowed for Noah Greger to rejoin the club. Greger sat out Friday's game due to Canadian border-crossing COVID-19 protocols. Gregor entered Sunday's game, leading the team in scoring and riding a five-game point streak. In the first period on Sunday, Abbotsford forward Vincent Arsenault was assessed a match penalty for a check to the head on Barracuda forward Joel Shellman. Shellman was left in the corner motionless for an extended period of time before he was taken off the ice on a stretcher. Fortunately, Shellman was released from the hospital following the game, rejoined the team in the morning, and traveled back to the Bay Area with the club on Monday. After a scoreless first period in which the Barracuda outshot the Canucks 10-5 in the opening 20, it was Abbott's first Chase Waters who opened up the scoring at 3-35 of the second period. Canucks will try to make a change. Turnover, they score! A four-check on Kenyasip took a body check, lost the puck, it centered immediately in front, and put putted home. The Canucks draw first blood. But at 4.52, Evan Weinger was able to tie it up at 1-1 with this second of the season. Works his way up towards the point, his shot blocked, got through, it's behind the goaltender! Weinger scores! It trickled under the wickets of Di Pietro. Weinger located it and puts it into the cage and we're tied at 1-1. But the Canucks would recapture its lead at 15:38. Jared Luko Savages would give the Canucks a 2-1 advantage. And Luko Savages will play it right side for Will Lockwood. Lockwood gets beyond the center stripe, skips one in towards Melnichuk. Lockwood, the key cog on that goal for Waters. is Here's a point shot. save made the score. This line comes through again. Abbotsford. In the third period, down by a goal, the Barracuda would outshoot the Canucks 12 to one. And at 7:47, Noah Gregor would rip one home to tie it up at two apiece. Race to it, won by Magna of the Barracuda. Slice back up ice for Ryan Murray. He feathered ahead for Gregor into the old zone. Rolling puck, he scores. Gregor had the puck go up on its edge. And he puts it under the bar, and we're tied at 2-2. For Gregor, it extended his point streak to a career-best six game. The Barracuda would later go on the power play in the third period with a chance to take their first lead of the game late in the frame. The best opportunity on that power play would come via the Abbotsford Canucks shorthanded, but Alexei Melnichuk would come up large with his biggest stop of the night. By a trailing rumple, and the Barracuda... Evan forced back to center by the pressure of the Canucks. Here comes Ruppel, short-handed. Oh, what a save by Melnichuk! He robbed Ruppel, and the Barracuda back in transition. That could be a game-saver from Melnichuk. Ruppel with the go-ahead goal on his stick. He's got three over his last two games, but he couldn't beat Melnichuk, who extends the blocker. The game would need overtime. And in overtime, Abbotsford would outshoot the Barracuda 3-1. But San Jose had arguably the best chance during the five-minute three-on-three overtime session, a two-on-one between Gregor and Hobgoax San Jose had to wait for it to come out of the zone. Now he sidestepped his man. It's gonna be a two-on-one. Gregor Hobgoaks! Gregor moves into Hobgoaks! And it wouldn't go! And here come the connects. Somehow that puck wouldn't go. I don't know what happened, if it went up on its side for hog or what, but he had the miner down and out, and he just had to elevate, and he couldn't put it home. 1.32 remaining now in overtime. This is what three-on-three is all about. The game would need a shootout. The shootout would go five rounds before Sasha Shomalewski would finally score to give the Barracuda a lead in the top of the fifth. Head coach Roy Sommer. Shevilewski will scoop it off at center. Right-handed shot, will work his way in. Settles it down to the forehand. He scores! Not a lot of razzle-dazzle until that point, but what a finish by Shevilewski. And the Barracuda are on the board in the fifth round of this shootout. The Canucks had a chance to push it to a sixth round, but Alexei Melnichuk would make his fifth and final stop of the shootout as the Barracuda picked up their first shootout victory since 2019. It's been over three years since the club had a S.O.W. Shootout. Number eight for Christian Nelson. So if Melnichuk can come up with a stop, the Barracuda will win. Nielsen works his way in and the Bunker save is made, and the Barracuda find a way to pick up a 3-2 shootout victory, and Alexei Melnichu is mobbed by his teammates. This is a performance for the young goaltender he can hang his hat on. With the win on Sunday, the Barracuda are now back at 500, and will return back to the SAP Center on Wednesday for a matchup against the Bakersfield Condors That will kick off a three-game homestand. When we come back on Cuda Confidential, assistant coach Jimmy Bono will join us. Now, back to the action.
1: Barracuda hockey continues now.
0: Welcome back to Cuda Confidential. We are very pleased to be joined by assistant coach Jimmy Bono. Bones, you're coming off a weekend where you had kind of the lowest of lows when it when it came to Friday's result, seven one. But you had a day off on Saturday, you skated, you reflected, you got a boost from Noah Gregor, and you come came back with a much, much more spirited effort. On Sunday, no one wanted to see what transpired with with Joel Shellman, but um, he was able to take the plane back with the team and, and should be okay in the long long term, which was certainly encouraging. But what do you think overall of your team's ability to bounce back and and really put a much better, much better product on the ice? Yeah.
1: First thing first. I mean, as you mentioned, like above above everything, right? Like we want the health of our players, so uh, it is good to see uh, shells. You know. Okay, obviously he'll have to recover from this, but uh we want to make sure that nothing affects him long term. Great job by our staff. And you know, I, I like to see his teammates go support him when he was taken off as well. Scary, scary incident. But uh, you know, we, we're we're glad he's he's okay. And uh uh as far as the boost, yeah, I think the first game we didn't get much of a chance to uh get going or get the legs. If we're going to say we had some players who landed in the afternoon and uh, uh, before they even got a few shifts underneath their belt, we were down in the score considerably. So uh, uh, it was a deflating game. Uh, We definitely didn't get any momentum back in it. And then, you know, the next day uh, we got together, we had a short meeting, just kind of assessed. I think the players themselves were disappointed with their performance. And as you said, it was a much better effort and you could see, you know, everybody much more engaged in the second game from goaltending on um, and, uh, you know, a sustained effort got us some rewards.
0: I think one of the most apparent things about this team compared to last year has been the depth. There was a lot of guys that came in. I know the organization has made a point of kind of overturning, not overhauling the roster within the organization, but really bringing in some new faces, trying to provide some depth. And we saw it firsthand when all those guys were called up and they were thrust into action and they performed, I thought, pretty pretty darn well for the circumstances for a guy like Ryan Merkley and even Artemi Knyazev. That meant NHL debuts for them. But what have you thought of your group so far? Give us an overarching, sweeping thought of your team and what you what you've seen from the group so far. And now that you're you're somewhat back to full strength, what you think this team can be?
1: Well, I think we we've been inconsistent. I think our roster has been inconsistent. I mean, obviously, we've gone through a lot already in this short season, um, but I believe that. Uh, the identity of our team is is our speed, uh, and we get things done in numbers. You know, we stay around the puck as uh, as a group. So I believe that's going to be important. That's part of our, part of our identity. I think if we can sustain uh, our identity with more consistency, I think we're gonna we're going to start separating from that five hundred mark. I think that's been a little bit of the issue. Obviously, an identity is something that uh, takes a little bit of time to build, and with the inconsistency to the lineup, it hasn't helped. But at least you're starting to see the guys who, when they hang on around the team a little bit, they start to see how it is that we want to play. And when they come in, they're a little bit more ready, a little bit more adaptable. So, uh, yeah, I think inconsistency is something that we got to get rid of, but I think our peak performance is a fast, fast, hard-working Uh, And pretty deep team, as you said. So uh, it makes for for, for, you know, it makes it encouraging and uh, and um,
0: uh, something to look forward to exactly when we get the stability we're looking for. Following Friday's game, we had a chance to skate. We had a skate in Chilliwack, which is a town just up the road from where we were in Abbotsford. But before practice, I noticed that you were sitting down with team captain Jacob Magna for an extended conversation before practice started. I'm not asking you to to dive into too many details, but if you can maybe divulge some of what you guys talked about, I think fans would, would really appreciate, you know, that conversation and relationship that you have with a player like that. You're able to go to him and then the message can get relayed to the rest of the group.
1: Uh, well. The, the the conversation with meg's uh was mostly penalty killing related uh not exactly not as much x's and o's but uh uh teaching points uh, just good. i mean i mean meg's is our captain he's a veteran in this league uh he's always taken a lot of pride in his defensive play and his penalty killing over his pro career i remember him as an opponent of ours back in the day uh in San Diego. Um, and now obviously with us and with the resume that he's built. But uh, so I wanted his input. The other thing, he's coming down uh from the NHL. So he's had the experience there. He was used on the penalty kill over there, uh, did from my standard a very good job of it. So I wanted to just have more of a, you know, an exchange instead of a really like it was not much coaching or or teaching being done. It was more in a way, almost two hockey guys having to sit down and talking about a particular subject that needed help Uh, as the penalty-killing coach. You know, I'm not exactly satisfied, well, not satisfied at all with what the result had been from the start of the year on. Uh, But sometimes, you know, there can be something with the method as well. Like, I saw some stuff that I was trying to teach the player to react to anticipate a little better. And I wasn't sure, you know, if the message was getting to 100%. So I think it was a good discussion that then I was able to take a little bit different approach, uh, try, to some, try to kill the monotony of it. Like even if we didn't necessarily come to straight up conclusion that one thing was blatantly wrong while the other one uh, or the method of everything, just a different fresh approach, tried to take, take something new. And then we were obviously satisfied with what we got out of penalty kill uh, on Sunday, but it's, it's only one step in the right direction. We still got a lot lot of
0: work to do. The Sharks organization has made it a point. It seems like at least in my time with the organization, it's it's AHL clubs going to be pretty young. They're going to have a lot of young players in the lineup. First, second year players. Last year we saw lots and lots of rookies and they were able to get their feet wet, the professional level, but it was such a unique year. It was a shortened season. We started the year on the road for training camp in Arizona for the first month. And, it was a world when I'm sure for them. So as you look at this group of sophomore players, if you guys tried to view it in a way that these guys are still very much early in their career, there's going to be a learning curve, even for those second year guys that maybe it wouldn't be there in a normal year where they play a full 68 game schedule. Are you guys trying to give them, I wouldn't say a break, but having an understanding that these guys are still learning? Yes, of course we were
1: aware that they were cut. you know, to almost half, half a year. Uh, last year, uh, and by, by AHL standard, most of them are still close to like, what the rookie minimum uh, is or, uh, or you know, to get out of what the, the, the rookie standard is. But at the same time, uh, they've taken a lot of growth. Those experience, the on-ice thing maybe has been reduced last year, but as far as life experience and pro experience, they've lived about everything that you can, you can face and more. So on a time frame and on, on, you know, on life spectrum, uh, they've grown since then. They've gone through a season, highs, lows. Yes, it was a little different. The playoff had a different context, everything. They haven't seen the whole thing, but then they've been able to get an off season, separate themselves from their rookie year a little bit, learn or hopefully learn for some past mistake, grow grow in the gym. So I do think that, the number that we see there is a little bit of just a number. Do I wish these guys would have 25, 30 more games under their belt? And do they? I'm sure they would. But again, the time span and the, the season, I'll tell you, it was a short season last year, but it felt like just as long of a season as as every other year that we've ever had. So, so based on that, you know, I think they've learned a lot and I think they're they're proper sophomore. I
0: think it felt longer. Last year felt like the longest season we've ever had. We started. In I, I'd Ivy say wear. double.
1: <laughs> I'd say double as well. I'd say Chandler double. Chandler was a season, and then San Jose was another one.
0: <laughs> Chandler, Chandler was a season. Yeah, it, it uh, that that last year, where I think we're in everybody, but what's been so refreshing this year is it has been an, an adjustment to get back to a full schedule, but it's been a good adjustment. It's been nice to get back to, to some normalcy and – To be able to be around the team and and have those relationships built, I think it's been a big difference maker for everybody. It's been refreshing. I know the players have commented on it as well as, as being just much, much more enjoyable. I want to talk a little bit about the penalty kill. Obviously, it has not gone the way that you guys have hoped. You've had a lot of different moving pieces. But what we saw on Sunday was a much, I would say, much more spirited effort. And I know that it's been a point of emphasis. And again, there's been so many moving pieces. What did you feel like was the key to Sunday's game? You went six for six on the PK. Guys were blocking shots like I haven't seen all season long. There just seemed like a, a commitment all ends of the ice. But really on the PK, that was a big emphasis. And you got the job done. And can that be something that you build off of? Oh, absolutely. I think it's it's massive. I think, it,
1: I think it's got a bit of uh, almost a... A goal scorer who hasn't seen the puck go in the net for for a, you know a slump, and then finally sees himself like getting a net. Like I think the penalty kill was one of the reason, along with goaltending and sustained effort. Uh, but that took that that got us that win on uh, on Sunday, and uh, you know that's motivating. It was it was they they killed five versus three. We killed at five versus four multiple time uh, and that's to build momentum like we we weren't able to get that uh, we weren't able the pK was we usually wasn't even keeping us even it was it was set, setting us behind as of now like I, I would say that like you know when you go you go six for six on the killing including killing at five on three you can say that like it probably instead of it had a motivating effect instead of an inflating effect and it actually took a factor in the game. So you're not making things up. The players see them for themselves. The players on it took some pride. They can really take something home with it, saying, like, I contributed in, in, into that win with the way we killed penalty. And that's why confidence should rise from it. People should take a little bit more pride is a strong word because you should always take pride in what you go out and do on the ice. But understanding it will help you be really proud of what you accomplished. Sometimes you get out there, and you don't get scored on and you're like, oh, I must have done a great job. Sometimes you know why you've done a great job. The routes, the details, the stick, they taking away lanes, right? The blocks, as you mentioned. So I think when they can understand it, see it, live it, that's how you grow. That's how you improve. So I'm really open that that was a step in the right direction and that we follow it, you know, on Wednesday against Bakersfield and on and on and on. But, uh, uh Yeah. Definitely something to
0: build on. Yeah, I think it helps when you have tangible results. It's hard to continue to harp on certain things and then not see results. So for these guys to have success, yeah, I think it does go a long way, right? And things starting to turn around and, and finding that consistency. We yeah, always I think, talk-
1: I, I think as you were kind of
0: saying, like you brought it up uh,
1: in a reason that you saw a difference from your seat. I, I And I would agree with what you also re-watching it and from watching it live. It added The eye test was just different. It had a different feel. It looked uncomfortable to be on the power play versus our penalty kill, or so I thought. And I thought at times earlier this year, it looked quite comfortable. You had time. It feels like you were just looking, okay, I'm just going to wait for them to expose a little something and put it in the bank. As of yesterday or on Sunday, it didn't feel like if you were waiting for something to get through you, it was going to be uncomfortable. The details were up. And we were going to get a stick on something and then everybody was going to support one another, which, uh, yeah, I think coming back to it, the eye test is what's the most encouraging on this one.
0: You, you could definitely tell, right. There's a difference when players are playing on their toes and playing on their heels. And there was this sense of pressure every time Abbotsford had the puck on the power play. I mean, nothing was easy for him. And that was something that maybe we didn't see prior. So that was certainly encouraging. I, I want to ask quickly, And this would be the last question as we're talking to Jimmy Bono, assistant coach for the Barracuda. We always hear about in the AHL, it's a developmental league, right? And that's really what it boils down to developing players for the National Hockey League. And there's always a balance between winning and development. But you're going through it. You've played the game at the AHL level. You've been in the trenches. How much stock do you weigh in winning? Because it does seem, from my vantage point, there is a ton of value to winning. But sometimes it almost and not in your case, and not in, I think, how the Sharks view it, but sometimes there is, A, we lost the game, but we're developing players. It's not about winning losing, right? But how much value in stock do you play in winning and how much that can help a player in his development? 100%.
1: 100%. Like, there's no – I understand your point. I'm not trying to diminish what you're saying. Everything that you say is right, but that comes from uh, organizational management, you know, big picture standpoint, we are into the business of developing that's by putting players younger, you know, like the roster that we have at hand guys who are very important to the organization in, in situation to succeed and to get better. But that's most of that work is done in practice. Most of that work is done in the video room or, or or these guys on their own. Um, We just, when we enter a game, we prepare to win at hundred percent. We're going to try to hold our player accountable at hundred percent. And we're going to try to go with the players who give us the best chance to win. That's why we always preach. If an experienced uh, mistake tend to happen, do them on your toes, not on your heels. Cause then there's a tolerance that come with that. And there's usually a quick, a quick adaptate, quicker adaptation to the mistake. When someone's on their heels, it's one they didn't process fast enough. Two, they, they might be scared to make a mistake, which led to a led to a mistake anyway, and they may again, they may not have quite recognized what happened to it. So so uh, this obviously brings an adaptation, but every time we go in game, every time we enter the mentality of our player, whether they're rookie, you know, sophomore veterans or our coaching staff, we prepare to win at a hundred percent and that's what we plan to do. And we try to have the accountability that goes with it.
0: I think the biggest takeaway from your comments, your lineup. Who is in the lineup? Nobody's going to be just given opportunities. It it, is all earned. And you see it on a night in and night out basis, whether you're a first rounder or, or an undrafted player, it's about performance, right? It's not about draft status. And that's, I think, one of the biggest things for the Sharks. And one of the biggest cogs to their success over the years is you really got to earn everything that you get. We see it all the time. We see guys go to the ECHL, go up to the NHL. Nothing is just handed to players, especially this year, because there is so much depth. Yeah, and one thing I would maybe add is the one
1: thing that we're we're definitely going to try not to mess with is when we see uh, progress or improvement in a player. So, if you're putting in a situation where yeah, maybe you were a depth player at a time or you're a rookie that has a ways to go to be completely comfortable, you know, producing or or really having an identity to your game in our league, if you're taking steps toward that. And then, you know, while being given an opportunity, whether it was from recalls or from injuries, or then we definitely, when numbers get back, we definitely have a situation on on our end where we're like, okay, well, what makes sense here? Like, does that send mixed messages to this young player who's on the right track? He's doing what he's doing. He's showing improvement. He's, he, he's, he's getting his game. He's getting it right now. You sometimes, Playing with that is dangerous because people can go by phase two. Sometimes, right, you feel like the information's taken taking more. You're really boosting the confidence is growing at other times, you know, maybe it's a little more stationary in, in your development. That stuff tends to happen. So you don't really want to stop a player uh, that that's growing his game at that time by by taking away opportunity. That being said, in the end, we do have some tough decision when the numbers get high, but Again, if we see some players improvement, you try to you try to reward it or at least maintain the opportunity instead of taking it away. So uh, that 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 requires a little bit of juggling some But it's really one of the nicest part of our job is to see players really taking a step into their network.
0: Yeah, it is enjoyable, even from a broadcasting standpoint. It's fun when guys start to start to figure it out, the game starts to slow down for them. Bones, can't thank you enough, as always. Really appreciate the insight. Uh, Look forward to doing this again down the road, but uh, thank you for the time. We appreciate it. For sure. Thanks, Molly. It's always a pleasure.